Hi, this is Marian Samuel from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Wednesday at 12.30 p.m., we interview a guest about real-life issues from the Caribbean. Welcome to Lighthouse Conversations, a time to explore the issues surrounding your everyday existence, your family, your community, your environment, your health and safety habits, your lifestyle, both physically and spiritually, will all be discussed here on Lighthouse Conversations. Let's get started and see just what we can learn to better your life. Welcome to Lighthouse Conversation. And a thank you for joining me, Marianne Samuel, for another episode. With me in the studio is Mr. John McKinnon and Mrs. Felicia Pado. Thank you, as always, for your willingness to come and inform our listener and the general public on human trafficking and the many issues that surround this subject. Before we go any further, let me give you the opportunity to remind the listener who you are and the responsibility or responsibilities you have to society. Okay, hello to the, to the audience. As you mentioned, my name is John McKinnon, and I am part of the Trafficking in Persons Prevention Committee within the Ministry of Legal Affairs, Public Safety and Labor. And we're responsible for everything human trafficking related in Antigua and Barbuda. Hi, good morning. I am Felicia Pardo. I'm the Administrative Assistant in the Trafficking in Person Prevention Secretariat. Statistically, what are the causes or reasons for human trafficking? Why are people trafficked without no regard for human life? The main reason is money. Mm. Because it's a lucrative business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is globally. It's a, it's a huge business, and in terms of illicit activities, um, it it ranks usually around number three wow. um, behind drugs and arms trafficking. Uh, in recent years, it may have been pushed a little bit further down because there's quite a, a a market now for what we would refer to locally as bootleg merchandise or counterfeit mm-hmm. merchandise as in brand labels and so on. And that includes medicines. Mm-hmm. But human trafficking is definitely way up there, close to the top of the list. Okay. Prevention measures. What is being done to eliminate and prevent human trafficking at our borders and in our country? Okay. Um, and that's precisely why we're here and why we're even in existence. The Trafficking in Persons Prevention Committee, it's been um, going since 2012, just a couple of years after trafficking in persons became illegal in Antigua. Our our original act, the Trafficking in in Persons Prevention Act, was passed in 2010, and I think gazetted sometime in 2011. Mm. And that act mandated that the committee be formed to guide and inform all the activities. In your studies, what country has the highest rate of human trafficking? Okay, of course, um, these are estimates, and it's it's kind of hard to even find an official figure. Okay. Um, usually, 
what you will find is different NGOs globally who will put these rankings together. In terms of human trafficking, the primary resource document is the Trafficking in Persons report that is issued by the U.S. State Department annually, which ranks countries um, by tiers based on their, but that's more based on your efforts Mm -hmm. and your ability to combat trafficking and not necessarily based on how much trafficking. Research has shown um, among the the top 10 countries, Brazil is way up there. A lot of women are trafficked for prostitution and, and men, um, labor exploitation, very cheap labor. Bangladesh is up there. Um, again, prostitution, labor, organ harvesting. Pakistan is up there. Um, they have a lot of forced labor persons working in mines and factories. India, again, um, forced labor, prostitution, organ harvesting. Sri Lanka is up there as well. They allegedly a lot of children that are forced into military service and become child soldiers um, with all the fighting that, that they have up there. Also on that list, um, uh, Ghana, China, Haiti, Nepal, and Uganda for similar reasons. Wow, it was so shocking when you said Haiti just now. I was so focusing on all those big countries, nations, however you want to put it, and then you said Haiti. Wow. Uh, what tends to happen, um, human trafficking, it's a, it's a crime of opportunity. Mm. And so one of the things, in you find it in poorer communities, poorer nations, poorer societies, um, persons tend to get easily exploited mm. um, with promises of better lives and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Okay. Who are the main targets or most vulnerable in our population for human trafficking? I know you mentioned just a little a while ago. Could you expound on that a little? It, it basically could be anyone mm-hmm. with an ambition um, because you don't necessarily have to be poor, um, but you just want something better. Mm-hmm. Um, we are very concerned now with um, with our students that are going off to university and so on, because uh, a lot of it has to do with job offers. That's how a lot of the recruitment takes place. Mm-hmm. And so you can imagine you're in university and you get you get an offer, you're doing well, and you get an offer that you think is related to, you know, your scholastic abilities, mm-hmm. and it turns out to be to be something else. It's, it's just anybody who wants to better themselves, mm-hmm. you have to be so careful. Should people in the Caribbean become complacent and not worry about human trafficking? I think that's the worst thing that we could do. Um, we're not immune. Mm-hmm. And I know we would have seen that whatever happens um, globally, sooner or later it trickles down. And if we are complacent, if we, we would only be making ourselves easier targets. Mm-hmm. So that's why um, the TIP committee, that's why we have our annual week of activities. We're out there all year long. We're doing workshops. We're doing seminars. We're, we're, we're giving presentations, we do church groups, we do community groups, 
we do schools, businesses, various organizations. And you hear when we start sharing information, particularly in terms of what is happening around us, then you hear the question, well, I never thought it could happen in the Caribbean. Um, but some of our Caribbean neighbors, um, right now there is quite an issue in Trinidad with Venezuelans because of the economic situation, all the hardships in Venezuela. A lot of Venezuelans are fleeing to Trinidad and they are finding themselves being exploited. A lot of the ladies are being forced into prostitution, working in bars and clubs and these kinds of things. And Trinidad is part of CARICOM. So once it starts in Trinidad, if we're not careful, it won't be long before it ends up in, in our neck of the woods. Because sometimes when um, I hear of young people, especially the young people, they're missing. You, you see like on ABS. I wonder if they were taken especially for organ trafficking or some other human trafficked obligation. And I don't think, especially young people, I'm not sure if they're not aware of the situation. They need to think twice or even five times before um, they're leaving their parents' house. But that's the first thing comes to mind. Maybe they've been um, taken for organ harvest you harvest it and you mentioned it earlier explain to our listeners basically what is organ harvesting organ harvesting um it's basically well we know now there is a lot of we have a lot of sick people um who need organ transplants mm -hmm. kidneys hearts lungs um even um in terms of the eyes you have um corneas and that kind of thing and while internationally it is illegal to sell an organ in any country as far as I know there is quite a, a black market mm -hmm. and so persons are trafficked and, and they have their organs removed some willingly they may have been offered a, a large figure I think the last figure I came across it was about somewhere around 100,000 US dollars for a kidney. And if you are a, a, a poor person, you're, you're, you're at the lower end of the socioeconomic bracket, and somebody offers you $100,000 for one kidney, and they're going to convince you that, hey, you have two, but you don't need two. You can live mm -hmm. a perfectly normal life with one. Um, it becomes um, quite a, well quite a possible lucrative offer but usually what they don't tell you is that because it cannot be done in an official capacity in a in a proper medical facility a lot of persons who even even if they do get paid because a lot of times when the organs are removed <laughs> you just find yourself you wake up on a street somewhere in oh. some alley without any money but even if you do get paid, because of the conditions under which these surgeries, quote-unquote, tend to happen, a lot of the, of the donors, which I use kind of loosely, they end up dying from infection or other illness associated with the, the procedure. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really high-risk. Fortunately, in our area, um, that is not something that we see much of. 
I think we have had only one case in the Caribbean a few years ago. And um, that may be because we're afraid of needles. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But, okay. but whatever, whatever it is, mm -hmm. um, I do hope that we can keep it up because I have heard of stories of people in, in North America um, trying to invite family members to come and they can get paid handsomely for, mm -hmm. for kidney or that kind of thing. Yes, uh huh. Yes, but again, as I tell you, sometimes I'm just so scared because you know, um, especially the young people, they say, okay, you know, because they can't have their own way or something with their parents and stuff. They decide, okay, I'm gonna leave home for one day or two day, and then somebody that actually is into trafficking, you know, maybe they might just actually see them because their faces are posted everywhere take them and then we you know everybody's like okay they're missing and we can't really find them so I think young people especially have to be very careful when they want their own way because they just might get their own way but in a different way so yeah. I don't know we definitely have to talk to them <laughs> I don't know but what it is but they have to be aware of this this kind of um, thing what is a penalty for a trafficker there, there, there are actually two tiers because there is um trafficking and then there's child trafficking and the the, the penalty starts at a, in, in Antigua and Barbuda mm -hmm. it, it's a, it's actually a fine and confine okay. and it starts at, at about $400,000 and up to 10 years in prison and it can go in the case of a child all the way up to a million dollars and up to 20 years. Hmm. Has our country ever convicted anyone on human trafficking? No, not a, not a, not as yet. <laughs> we do have cases that are before the court, but uh -huh. they're, they're yet to be heard. Um, having a case and getting to to a conviction, it's it's a long road. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The investigations can be quite protracted, and even putting the case together. Mm -hmm. Especially in a city, the, the situation that we have had is that the majority of victims that we have identified over the years have not been willing to cooperate. And uh, when you're dealing with uh, a crime against an individual, and that individual who is the victim of the crime um, is not willing to testify, to go to court and, and speak to the circumstances it makes it 10 times more difficult um, to get a conviction. Okay, that, that's true. Does it take a lot to conduct and or investigate victim identification? It, it does because human trafficking is one of those kind of clandestine crimes. It, a lot of it happens outside the purview of the, of the public. And um, we we keep um, reaching out to the general public, and I'll and I'll, I'll shamelessly put a plug here. Um, like any other crime, if you see something, say something. Um, if you see something suspicious, if you see a person that is locked in a house or not allowed to you leave a yard, you see a person on a on a job site and they're working extremely long hours. You see they're not allowed to socialize. Um, they're not allowed to, to worship. They don't go to church. Um, if you see children that are um, being forced to do excessively hard labor that 
children. We're not talking about chores here now. Mm-hmm. We're talking about work that generally children would not be involved in. Um, these are all of these are some indicators, and I'm not gonna say that once they're there because human trafficking there are there are a number of indicators and that's why we have um specially trained persons on the committee who will investigate um it's similar to diagnosing a a disease there there are a bunch of symptoms but um one or two might not necessarily indicate um trafficking you have because they can be related to something else Mm -hmm. We have had cases that we have gone on that we were pretty sure would have been or were human trafficking, and they turn out to be something else. Okay. Um, what we do in that case, we bring in our partner agencies and try to get the individuals the help that they need. A lot of a lot of cases that that start out looking like human trafficking, they end up being, you know, domestic abuse mm-hmm. or something of that nature. Okay, all right. Do you have a system in place to assure victims that they will be taken care of and be protected if they should escape and come um, come forward? Yes, we do. The, the Trafficking and Person Prevention Act protects all victims and provides for them. It actually mandates that we look after their needs and 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 it, that's our act is. Uh, let me say it's not um, much different from globally. All of the acts are, are basically drafted based on the United Nations recommendations. So globally, you have similar areas that will be present in the acts. And one, there is a section that has to do with vic- victim protection. It speaks to providing them with services, providing them with legal services if necessary, clothing, lodging, medical, psychological, whatever it is that is needed. There has to be a thorough examination mm-hmm. and and so on. That comes early on in once we um, confirm the person as a victim, then the evaluation start and whatever services are needed that person would get. Okay. Thank you for joining me, Marianne Samuel, for this episode of Lighthouse Conversation. With me in the studio is Mr. John McKinnon and Mrs. Felicia Pado from the Trafficking in Persons Prevention Committee. Uh, Mr. McKinnon, how does the organization collaborate its efforts with other Eastern Caribbean and international organizations to fight human trafficking? Okay, well, we all work along with a, a number of international organizations, one of them being the, the U.S. Um, Anti-Trafficking Unit in the State Department. Another one is the International Organization for Migration, IOM. And through their offices in many countries, we are able to exchange information, we're able to get assistance particularly in in investigations which involve um, victims from other countries. Because in in investigating, even though the crime happened in Antigua, if the victim was brought in from overseas, then 
you now have a multinational investigation. And so we're able to draw on the resources of, of these agencies in terms of getting information, getting follow-up, um, getting in contact with um, authorities in the source country and so on. Do you share information and investigate human trafficking cases? Information. information okay. on, in, on investigations. Yes, uh-huh. With other organizations or countries? Um, on a need-to-know basis. Okay. Uh, one of the things that we do that the law prescribes is that we have to protect the identity and the privacy of the victim or victims. Okay. So we cannot, even if we do share any information, we, we cannot share names or information that would lead to the someone figuring out the identity of the victim. Okay. But in terms of requesting information and so on, we do we do collaborate with particularly with the source country. Okay. Uh, does the government continue to provide sufficient funding to combat human trafficking in our country? Uh, I, for the, the short answer, I, w- I would say yes. I think they do. They do a pretty good job. Um, there's always room, and they they could always be more. But we've been able to handle our mandate for the most part with the resources that have been provided. Okay, all right. With the pandemic, do you fear the worst of this criminal act spiking out of control globally? Um, it is a it is a concern. I, I don't want it to sound like a doomsday kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it is a concern because, as I mentioned earlier, it's a clandestine thing. And one of the things that usually give it away is persons movement being restricted and so on but now we're moving into what we're calling a new normal where it's the norm to stay inside the house and don't come out Mm -hmm. yeah it's the norm it's becoming the norm to stay within the yard you know not go to church not not being able to go to sporting events and all the rest of it so um that is one concern the other thing as well the whole pandemic, it's creating a global economic shift and and even individuals who were, I would say, okay financially before are making do are now finding life harder and harder. And these are the kinds of circumstances mm-hmm. that, that people are the perpetrators of trafficking have been known to prey on. Okay, yes. Update on the organization. How are you managing at this time and what might be some challenges that you have? Um, we're still trying to, for want of a better term, find our footing in this new normal because our work has been largely hitting the ground face-to-face, being out there, interactions with you know, a lot of people. And so, you know, we have to be redoing our work plan, redoing our strategies, because we have to protect ourselves and and protect others. So the whole thing is now, you know, we kind of back to the drawing board, so to speak, Um, because of the lockdown and everything. This year has, we have not had 
as many activities and we definitely won't be having as many and so we're looking at planning our strategy from from January moving forward um, resources as well um, is an issue because whereas previously we, we were fairly well resourced and yes there's money in the budget but we know what's happening in the economy with taxes falling off and so on and so we are concerned that we will eventually lose some of that funding mm -hmm. kind of like everybody else everybody everybody's taking yeah. it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, so due to the pandemic, the organization is bringing awareness to human trafficking through different avenues and platforms this year. Please share a little about that. Well, we're using um, the electronic media, um, such as your radio station, and, and we'll be using some others as well. Um, I think like everybody else, we're moving into the social media. Virtual. So we're using, we're using the social media platform. and whatever else that is available to us virtually to get the message out there. Is there a message that you want to bring forward for, to the general public? We're going really simple this year okay. and always saying to people, you know, you're out there, whatever it is, if, if something doesn't look right, Rep something. Report it. Just say something. You can you can report it to us at the the trafficking in persons prevention secretary at five six two seven zero eight nine. Any police station. Um, we also have a twenty four hour cell phone seven seven three six nine two two nine. Okay. And we do have a Facebook page as well. Yes. T I P P committee. Okay. As in trafficking in persons prevention. Okay. And so if an organization um, or an individual would like to come alongside and partner with you, what are, what's the process for that? Just give us a call at the secretary at 562-7089 or send us an, an email. My email address is john.mckinnon at ab.gov.ag. And the secretary's email address is trafficking at ab.gov.ag. Okay. Just before we close, is there anything else you would like to the general public to know at this time? Well, I would just, again, ask the general public, if you see something, say something. Although, not, I, I know we have, we've had some reports, and it's, it's a bit of a concern because we tend to put a lot of information out there in human trafficking, but I realize that a lot of persons are still not quite getting it and uh, people are um, confusing human trafficking with prostitution uh, it's 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 something I wouldn't want to say that it's completely different mm -hmm. but what makes it human trafficking although prostitution in itself is illegal that's, mm -hmm. a, that's a whole different law there that is being broken but it only becomes human trafficking if the individual is forced into prostitution. Voluntary prostitution is not human trafficking. Um, exotic dancing in a club is not human trafficking. If the person is being forced against their will, mm -hmm. and that is the key thing that we want persons to remember. So we try to 
cover in in every presentation we try to cover the difference between um human trafficking and and these other activities the the key thing with human trafficking is that you're forced by whatever means um whether it be having a debt hold against you whether it be by threat um we have we have seen in the past in terms of non-antigans their travel documents are withheld and they're they're, they're threatened that if they don't participate they will be turned over to immigration or they will be arrested and this kind of thing there is force mm-hmm. that is force but if somebody decide things are hard with me and there is an opportunity to 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 do some exotic dancing and make some big tips then that's that's something else Thank you so much for taking the time, Mr. McKinnon and Mrs. Pardo, to come and inform us on this serious and illegal act of human trafficking. We pray for wisdom for you all as you educate the public and try to make this country a safer place for all to live in. Thank you so much, Mr. McKinnon and Ms. Pardo, once again. And thank you for having us. Thanks for listening in on our conversation. We trust that it was beneficial to you as you continue to develop a more meaningful life. Do you have a topic or a guest you would like us to have a conversation with for a future episode on Lighthouse Conversations? We would love to hear your suggestions. Send us a mail at Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, P.O. Box 1057, St. John's, Antigua, or Lighthouse, B-I-M-I, at gmail.com or give us a call at area code 268-462-1454 or send us a message via WhatsApp or text at area code 268-782-1454. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear Lighthouse Conversations Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kHz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time. Bye-bye.